Well, hello everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the podcast. It's Ross here, your host, and thank you as always for tuning in. I really do appreciate every moment that you give to the podcast and the likes, the shares, subscribes, and all of that is wonderfully appreciated. Well, today's episode, if I told you I was catching up with two young men who have a great passion and a connection for retro golf and you know, things of the past of golf that have made this great game what it is today, especially in around the 80s and 70s and 90s, well, you wouldn't be that surprised. But if I told you they expressed that passion in the form of a caricature of a dog, you might raise an eyebrow. Well, yes, it can only be the team from Old Salty. Now, I was intrigued, like probably many of you are, when you saw Old Salty, the Old Salty Sea Dog, pop up on Instagram. Who is Old Salty? And what is his connection to the retro part of the game that we all still love and if you're like me live vicariously through the recounting of the wonderful history well i wanted to know more and i thought it was my duty to bring you a little bit of a behind the scenes of the world of old salty golf yes two great men dan and charlie opposite sides of the world but mates who share a passion for retro golf today we learn about the story of old salty and i'm joined by dan and charlie to tell that story it's a wonderful chat. We could have chatted for hours, as is always the case. But I think once you listen to this, you will know a little bit more about who Old Salty is and why he is the crafty old sea dog of golf. That's the story of Old Salty coming right up now. Thanks for listening. Really do appreciate it. Check out some of the videos we've dropped on YouTube. More stuff growing over there. Different stuff. Podcast episodes over there, but a little bit of different content over there. So jump over to YouTube. I really would appreciate it if you just hit the subscribe button over there because that will help me on the new project that I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Old Salty Golf, Dan and Charlie, the great men of Old Salty, coming up right now. See you next time. I actually don't know how to start this interview, whether I'm into introducing Old Salty or introducing Charlie and Dan. Either way, I'll introduce all three of you. Only two of you are sitting in front of me. Charlie and Dan, Old Salty Golf. Old Salty, how are you? Charlie, I'll go, go to you first. How are you, mate? Roscoe, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, long-time listeners, first-time callers to the old Mind Love of Golf podcast, so pleasure to be here, mate. Thanks for having us. Dan, how are you going, mate? Don't forget old Salty, he listens too, so that, you know, can put another one on, on, on the listing list. But uh, yeah, I'm well, thanks, Roscoe. Excited. Thank you for uh, reaching out and inviting us. And um, yeah, been looking forward to this um, all week since you, um, you know, created that time and, and here we are. No, I appreciate it. And I was going to jokingly suggest there before that, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure that this should, should come to life. I'm glad that it is because the mystique of old salty for me is now, you know, I've got to see a layer behind uh, the curtain, I guess, you know, to the creators of this wonderful character that exists on, on Instagram and, and online that is now the, I guess, the, the bon vivant, the raconteur of, of all things of, uh, you know, golfing yesteryear. Who wants to give an introduction to old salty? Uh, Salty is a uh, is a mysterious and mischievous old hound. Um, as the name suggests, he's a he's a salty old sea dog that loves to tell a tale, and um, and he's come to the realization that actually Roscoe, the latest, might not be the greatest. He's uh, he's discovered that the retro swagger of yesteryear is 
infinitely more interesting and perhaps more fun uh, when you look at the, the characters and the personalities of the sport back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and also the equipment and the style and the swagger and the presence of, uh, of these icons back in the game has just opened up a bit of a Pandora's box. And, uh, yeah, Salty the Hound felt it was an important story to tell. And, um, yeah, here we are having trawled our way through the deepest, darkest corners of the internet, looking not just for fantastic imagery that tells a story, but also, you know, the equipment that we grew up on in the 80s and 90s, stuff that growing up in Australia we either couldn't get or as little grommets couldn't afford. And here we are kind of grown men with a uh, retro eBay habit um, that, that began, yeah, close to a year ago in let's call it lockdown 1.0. Add to that, um, on, you know, that, that's when Old Salty was born, but prior to Old Salty and prior to lockdown, when um, Charlie and I are always in contact and we're always geeking out about golf and, you know, consuming at times or, or, you know, borderline a problem. And we're always talking about developing or doing something together in, in the space of golf. And we've had ideas and we've got a couple of ideas that we're still toying with that we just couldn't get our heads around. And then, um, you know, when COVID hit and we sort of found ourselves working at home and having a little bit more spare time, taking commutes and different things like that out of the picture, Charlie just rang me and said, I've got it. And I'm like, got what? And what he came up with was old salty was, yes, golf-related, but completely different to what we were trying to, to force and what, what we were tinkering with before. And then again, in, in terms of our geographic locations, Charlie sort of finding things and rekindling his love of, of golf of yesteryear sort of, uh, you know, filtered over to me. And I started getting on and looking at eBay and Gumtree, and there was just so much gold out there. And, you know... Yes, Charlie's spoken about where Old Salty is now, but before that, there was just so much fun in the hunt and sort of developing these stories and, and again, rekindling what golf is meant to be, just just fun. Have you noticed a growth in people jumping onto eBay and, and other platforms consuming old golf equipment? I, I, I certainly have my, my view on it and what I've witnessed. I, I think I can track it back to the start of Old Salty. You know, and since Old Salty came to life in, a, in an Instagram and in, in an online sense, that the uptake of retro golf has, has accelerated with a, with a very steep spike. What do you guys take on that? Our observation is that, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. There's been this huge resurgence of, of, let's call it retro or classic golf. I certainly can't speak for everyone, but my observation has been that, uh, well, in fact, you know, how, how it started for me was in April of 2020. And um, that month sticks in my mind because, as you might recall, um, sporting events all around the world were getting cancelled as a result of this pandemic that was running rife. Um, and the World Masters was going to be cancelled. And our love affair with that tournament meant that, yeah, we'd, we'd go a year without until, of course, um, the genius organisation behind the Augusta National Golf Club came up with the Masters Rewind. And that was the, the very point at which a flame was really kind of lit for me when we watched the reruns of Jack in 86 and Tiger in 97. It really sparked this kind of twinkle in my eye and a passion to go back to, you know, what I would, you know, consider the glory days of the golf stuff we grew up with. Um, I remember watching um, 
Sharky in 87 and the heartbreak for me in that story was less about Larry's chip in the extra holes down at the uh, 11th green there. It was more about Sharky's missed putt on the 72nd hole when he was wielding that 8802 Wilson blade heel shafted putter and how that putt didn't drop, I still don't know, but it began a... Um, a wild hunt for me again through the deepest, darkest corners of eBay to try and get my hands on one of those putters. Coincidentally, also um, the day or the day before, I can't recall the timings, but Sharky did a Instagram live from his golf room. I don't know if you recall watching that, but he uh, would talk really passionately about, you know, all his old clubs and some of the storylines behind those clubs and, he spoke specifically of that 8802 putter um, and also, mind you, he spoke to Jack's monstrosity that he used in 86 to, to win. We're all familiar with the yes, sir kind of moment on, on 17 and Jack kind of waves that wand up in the air. And I was curious to, to, to find out more about that putter and learnt that this, yeah, McGregor zero twist thing that looks more like a yacht than a putter uh, really captured my imagination. Um, and yeah, f- from, from that point, I think um, the joy of, of hunting for, uh, for old equipment began uh, and it began in earnest. And, <laughs> you know, the attic started filling up with all this, um, this great old stuff. I'm based over here in, um, in the Netherlands, just outside of, of Amsterdam and um, the retro golf um situation here is is kind of minuscule it just it doesn't exist but what does exist is this treasure trove of amazing old stuff um the dutch as a as a nation as a as a golfing uh nation doesn't have a, a huge culture around the sport but um generally there are people that really look after their things and also without being too uh, derogatory they're, they're let's call them you know tight asses <laughs> well you know they're, they're, they they don't like to extend themselves and spend too much for, for for things let's say that so consequently the stuff that's available on on dutch ebay is affordable and it's in phenomenal condition because they really look after their things and so you know again that that flame was lit and well she and i got together and thought hey there might be something in this but yeah, for us, it's never been about selling equipment. It's always been about rekindling that that joy and that retro swagger that we wanted to spread the love for. So, Charlie, I'll stick with you for a sec. Where did your golf journey begin? When did you start playing? You know, you said 80s and 90s. I'm tipping, you know, you look a bit younger than me. So, you know, where did you start playing golf and, and what was that era like for you? Yeah, I... Um... I started um, tinkering back in the, I would say, mid-80s as a, as a 10, 11-year-old. Um, and it's a sport that's always captured my imagination and love. But to be clear, I'm a complete and utter chopper. <laughs> and, um, I mean, while she has probably the all-time sledge when he referred to me once as a 25 marker that turns up to a C-grade club championship with a Nick Ent staff bag. <laughs> And it was a great put down. Um, I mean, you know, I hover around 12, 13, 14, um, never, um, always a frustrated golfer like many of us, never feel like, 
you know, I'm going to reach a, reach a potential. But it wasn't until I discovered retro clubs again that made me just think less about how I was playing and more about the joy of the sport. Mm. But, yeah, to answer your question, back in Australia in the, in the mid-'80s is, is kind of when it all began for me. In Sydney? Uh, no, I'm a, uh, I'm a Queenslander uh, and had a couple of, uh, couple of early years in, in Melbourne. Um, and then, um, yeah, we, uh, we moved around weird and wonderful parts of the world with, uh, with my family. Dad was a, um, dad was a businessman that, that took us around the place. And it wasn't until I got back to Australia, probably when I was about 25 or 26, back into Sydney and really started to, to pick the game back up again. Uh, it's when I met Walshy and we would, um, yeah, we would get to, um, whatever tracks we could from um, from Wallara Golf Club, a little nine holer in Rose Bay there, you know, down to New South Wales Golf Club, what we love to refer to as the beating heart of Australian golf, and it's where Walshy's a member. And yeah, we've had some great moments along that coastline. So Dan, what about your golfing journey back in the in the day? How did that uh, permeate? How did that yeah, come to bear? Look, my golfing journey started quite naturally where. Uh, yeah, grew up in Ballina, a little coastal town on, on the northern New South Wales coast. You know, Ballina Golf Club, or as you know, we sort of jokingly call it Royal Ballina, um, was just over the hill. And my neighbours actually got got it into me. And, you know, you asking this question, I, I just have vivid memories of me hanging out with my neighbour. And his dad was a golfer and he said, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go play nine holes. You want to come walk around? And I, I'd never even heard of the game. And I'm, I'm probably all of 10 years old. Um, and my idea of golf was like cartoon images where the green was built on sort of this, you know, uh, the green was a mound with a flag right on the top. And I can remember walking down the first hole in Ballina right near the 150-metre mark. And my mate's dad hit such a bad shot, but it went to this mound that I thought was a hole. And I went, oh, that's almost going to go in. And he's like, no, 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 it, it, it's down there. And then I sort of saw the fairway sort of meander down and sort of turn to where the green was in a basin you know, it's the afternoon, so the sun was low in the sky, and I'm like, how good's this? And um, I, I was hooked from there. Problem was, but I probably had the first six to 12 months of my golfing career as a really, really confused boy because everyone around me was right-handed and never felt right, and it wasn't until sort of 12 months through the journey that I realised that I was left-handed. You know, left-handed clubs aren't easy to get, but when you go mid to late 80s in Australia... Um, you know, you couldn't choose what clubs you wanted to play with. It was what you could find. Mm. So I sort of had a mix mash of, of a set of clubs to start with. But, um, you know, from that day, kept getting invited, kept walking. What used to be one or two shots turned into three or four, turned into a hole, turned into two holes. And before I knew it, was I was playing cadets. Um, you know, started off with five holes, C graders, then went to the nine holes, then went to the 18 holes then became a junior member, got heavily involved in, in junior golf through tournaments and different things like that. And, you know, looking back on that, it was absolutely awesome. Um, I was fortunate enough to, in Ballina, live quite close to the beach. So what I thought a normal life for most kids was, I'd, I'd surf every weekend, every day, or even school holidays, until the nor'easter or the wind came up. And as soon as the wind got to the surf, mum and dad would show for me to the golf club and I'd just play golf all afternoon. And, and, and that was my life. But, you know, during that time, I guess, you know, Sharky was doing great things for Australia golf and golf was really popular. And a lot of the guys who I used to play golf, um, junior golf with, particularly in Ballina, 
Um, you know, it wasn't uncommon to have, you know, over 200 kids playing the junior tournament at, at some of the local clubs. Um, and some of the guys I played with, um, you know, did go on and, and make careers out of it and, and are still very, very handy golfers. But, uh, you know, through those formative years in, in Ballina, we used to have a, um, a cadet master called um, John Kewen. They used to call him JK. Um, and he was... You know, you talk about golf geeks. This guy was just phenomenal. Um, you know, his knowledge of the game, he, not only technical, etiquette, everything like that, but um, he was just so on to teaching kids the etiquette from a young age, from, you know, your scorecard, taking your hat off as you enter the, the, club, uh, the, the clubhouse, making sure your shirt's tucked in, looking after your gear and, and all different things like that. And I guess sort of, you know, working with and having someone like that sort of teach you the ropes from a young age, while I didn't get it and thought he was probably being particularly harsh when I was just a kid just wanting to play golf, now I reflect and he's probably why this, you know, old salty thing means so much to me because golf has got a story and a lot of people who find it later in life or, or now with all this new whiz-bang equipment sort of forget, you know, how detailed and nuanced it was back in the day and, and how difficult it, it, it was then particularly but, but it is now so um you know that that was my um I, I guess formative years of golf and um you know moving through the the junior hit sort of 18 19 moved away from university golf got put on um the back burner sort of played socially but sort of a, again it, it was lost in my life for sort of five six years then when I ended up sort of finishing uni, finishing travel, moving to Sydney, um, was lucky enough to um, be, be a member of some, some clubs down there and, you know, play a, a little bit of representative golf, representative golf and also sort of meet a, a really good crew of people who, you know, have opened up a, another network of, 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 you know, golf dorks um, more so now, you know, yes, with the retro equipment, but architecture and different things like that. So, um you know, to to where I am today, where, you know, I'm like Charlie, yeah, I've, I've got like a, a probably, you know, if you want to call it a proper set, that if, you know, there's a wager and all the boys are being serious, I'll probably take the proper set out. But um, one of my biggest joys right now is, you know, just grabbing a mixed mash of clubs. And um, there's a little, club, little golf course that's just reopened in the hinterland about probably about 15 minutes from my place called Keevan Valley Golf Club. Um, which has been redeveloped. Craig Perry did a lot of the design. And, you know, my idea of the best afternoon for golf there is, you know, just a, you know, just a half set in a bag and just a couple of baladas and, and, and just see what happens. And, um, you know, going out there, Northern Rivers hinterland, sun setting, usually you don't see too many people on, on the golf course. It, it, it's absolutely spe spectacular. And that simplicity of golf and, and that joy is, you know, to me what it's all about. It's interesting just listening to, to both your stories there because up until, uh, you know, 40 minutes ago, you know, you guys existed in the shape of the wonderful character of Old Salty. Didn't know you, hadn't spoken, we hadn't done this before. But just listening to, to that, you know, and, and to hear you talk about your formative years of golf, I can see why I gravitate towards, you know, your content so much because, yes, it's obviously from an era where I – grew up but just to hear your story there about the junior section and the junior master and uh and all of the etiquette that you were taught that absolutely mirrors how about a hundred of us kids grew up in Cessnock. if we didn't play rugby league 
you know, we played golf and there wasn't much else. We didn't have the surf. You know, surf was an hour and a half away in Newcastle, an hour away in Newcastle. So we weren't really surfers. We just played golf and we, and the club built a junior room for us. We, you know, we had space invaders and pinball machines and, you know, the whole culture of sharing um, a bottle of Coke, you know, putting a dollar in each or it wasn't even a dollar, 50 cents each and sharing, you know, four ways in a bottle of Coke. 70 people, 70 kids turning up on a Sunday. I'm not sure that it exists like that anymore, right? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, my experiences now in terms of, of golf with chalk and cheese because, um, you know, I still am a member of New South Wales Golf Club and, and they've got some really, really good programs for their juniors and they're, they're continuing to grow. And I'm also good friends with the, the pro at Ballina Golf Club and he runs a great junior golf program. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in terms of the volume of what I've seen, um, I don't think, like you said, Ross, you know, you had 70, 80 kids rocking up religiously um, every week. I'm not quite sure if those numbers, you know, do exist these days. But, again, like, I've got a, you know, my, my boy's only eight, and he's still got a, you know, a reasonable interest in, in, in golf. Like, he loves it when we go to Burgle and we go to the, the, the putting green at um, the Dunes or... Uh, now that Barnboogle runs over, he loves walking around that with me. But he's sort of not there yet at that age. So, you know, I'm going to say I don't think so, but I'm probably not the most qualified person to comment on the numbers because I'm sure there's some clubs out there doing some really, really great things. Yeah, no, definitely. It just made me roll back the, the memory into a time of, of my life that was I still hold very dearly, you know. And, I'm, you know, you talked about some of those golfers from the 80s and 90s. I I've never really spoken to him. I've never really challenged him on this, but I reckon my dad used to dress on purpose to be, to either look like Seve Ballesteros or Jack Nicholas. So if I said to you guys, he had a signature Seve Ballesteros look and a signature Jack Nicholas look, you guys have been looking at all those pictures. What would his signature Seve Ballesteros look be? What a great question. And, uh, gents, I might just um, I might just add, sorry to have dropped out there, the old Commodore 64 ran out of uh, bandwidth. So um, I'm back. Sorry to drop out. So your question, Roscoe, about um, who would who would we channel out of our retro heroes in, in today's context? Is, was, was that what you were saying? The, qu- the question was, in, in me reflecting on my formative years in Cessnock and the juniors there, the Jack Newton sub-junior classic, which then became the Jack Newton international classic, seeing a lot of Australia's best golfers playing you know, with little weenie blades and persimmon blocks and me watching Shane Tate hit a persimmon block as far as I've ever seen anyone hit, you know, a golf ball in my life. My dad had two signature looks. He had the Jack Nicholas look and the Seve Ballesteros look. So I've just said that. You're going to tell me what was the Seve Ballesteros look that he would be channeling. Describe what my dad would be wearing. Uh, it's hard to go past Seve in that iconic moment on the 72nd hole with, uh, at the Open with his... Uh with his in, decked in his Slazenger navy blues and his massive wide collar, a deep V-neck to accentuate that kind of DK Lily kind of chest rug thing that he had going on. It was all, he carried so much swagger, didn't he? And the presence that he had on the golf course was as much to do with his clothing as it was about his, his attitude. And that's really the spirit, Roscoe, of what we've tried to kind of capture. I mean, kids growing up in the 80s, probably had pictures of, I don't know, in excess on their wall. But um, I'm not ashamed to admit that in uh, in 86, I had a picture of Sharky at Turnbury wearing that minty Lyle and Scott knitwear that was probably, uh, you know, you're familiar with the image, the lemon sorbet, the grey with the flowing white hair. I mean, it just captures so much kind of 
raw swagger is the word I would use to describe that. Um, and that's a bit of the spirit of what we're trying to achieve, to rekindle a bit of that kind of character um, of, of icons of yesteryear, but it's got as much to do with the, that attitude as it has to do with the purity and the simplicity of the equipment from, from back then. Yeah. So you know about you know about Dad's Seve Ballesteros. Look, the, the navy blue Slazenger jumper with the, the white polo shirt, the navy blue slacks, and his Jack Nicholas uh, look was the the beige um, high waisted front pocketed pants, uh, a polo shirt of some colour, and the red uh, cardigan. That was that was his Jack Nicholas uh, look. And, and, and the Sansa belts um, it would have been like the old high waisted, no pleated, huge flare, maybe some kilties stuck out the bottom. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's all good stuff, isn't it? And the flaps on the uh, the, the 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 little um, I'm not sure what they're called. Yeah, the gaiters on the front of the golf court, golf yeah. shoes. Yeah, I think kilty is the word for them. I could be mistaken, but uh, yeah, I mean, even the uh, the language used back then to describe, you know, the sport we all love is you know was different, right? So there's there's yeah, lots to play around with there. When we talk about equipment, what what do you think that people tune into Old Salty mostly for to to, to get a sneak peek at the old? you know, classics of equipment or, you know, to get a nice memory of, you know, what golf was, you know, in terms of the players and the tour and, and the performances and the and the fashion back then? I think Charlie sort of hinted towards it before. It's, you know, it is that power of nostalgia, those simpler times where, you know, people of our vintage were, were obviously a lot younger and had no worry in the world. And then they, this was equipment that, we either wanted or couldn't afford or you just couldn't get in Australia. And now that it is 20 or 30 years old, if you're willing to look for it, you can get it and it's quite obtainable. And it's not as if you can only choose one set. You can get an old set of DCIs. You can get an old set of King eyes because it is old and some people don't have that nostalgic connection to them. Um, and, you know, it, it's just this, this beautiful hunt and, Charlie and I often talk about it, you know, with this power of nostalgia and when we do get some of this stuff that, you know, means a lot to us and we've got this, you know, nostalgic connection, actually getting it and when it arrives in your hands is cool, but it's so much cooler sort of hunting it down and then connecting with the potential seller and then talking to that potential seller and asking them why they're getting rid of it, what story this this equipment has. And some of the people I've connected with are just absolutely some of the most beautiful people, some of the funniest people I've, I've ever come across. But just to hear the story where the equipment's come from um, and, and its past life, you sort of get it. And you're like, these aren't just a set of golf clubs. They've, they've brought so much joy to people before, and now they're going to pay that back by giving, be, be, by giving joy to me. And what we're now starting to find is we're, we're sort of – People are finding us and, and reaching out to us saying, hey, look, got this, um, got these sets of sticks. Would you be interested? Hey, got this, got this old shag bag. Is this something you guys would be interested in? And a lot of people now are sort of so stoked that we're sort of into this sort of retro wormhole that, you know, one, they don't want anything for it. They're just really excited that it's going to a person who's really going to enjoy it and, and look after it. Or, or two, you know, um, you're covering postage or, you know, you're, you're, you're paying, you know, minimal for the emotional connection that, that you have with this equipment. It is, it is amazing. I've come across that a little bit, people that have old gear that they, they value it, but they don't value it the same as, as I would and they're, and they're happy to, you know, consider 
getting something decent for it, you know, a decent amount of money. They don't want the, the earth for it and just wanting to know that it's gone to someone who would actually value it. And I think that's half of their sort of connection to it. You know, I've got a couple of little finds that I've come across in the in the journey and, and, and that's pretty much been it, you know, like no one wanted exorbitant amounts of money. What are some of the... I've got a story about one bag that I let go, and it's probably the dumbest, one of the dumbest decisions in hindsight now that I've ever done in terms of a golf bag that I'd love to have now. What are some of the classic finds that you've come across in recent times? That's a, it's a great question, and um, it kind of it draws my attention, Roscoe, to the the moments where you know you're endlessly just thumbing and scrolling through eBay just kind of on on the hunt in the wormhole and you've kind of lost track of time and space and then something jumps out at you and uh, you just, you know, you, your heart races and at least mine does and you kind of, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the thrill of that chase. Or there might be a really obscure picture. I'd, I'd tell a story of when um, there was a single picture posted um, here on, on Dutch eBay of a set of clubs that was in really poor light back in the in, in the distance had no idea really what the what the clubs were but I saw a sticker on on a face of an old um, persimmon driver or wooden block driver I thought there could be something in this and so I contacted the, the guy and we had a bit of a chat and he said why don't you, you come over and have a look and it was this this dear old man and to add to uh, Walshie's earlier point, you know, for us, it's been less about um, the equipment or, or reliving a lot of these stories. It's been about the people we've met along the way, some of whom have gone down in kind of salty folklore. We have this thing called the Kennel Club where these characters that we've come across um, in our year or so of doing this have just kind of been been cast in folklore. I kind of digress, but back on these clubs, I see this sticker on the face. I go and um, have a chat with the gentleman and he said, oh, these are, I bought these. Uh, back in the mid-80s, I went to the range. I took them there once. I realised I hated the sport and they've sat in my garage ever since. And I said, well, you know, could we have a look at them? And he's wheeled back the uh, the garage door and here sitting in this mint leather ping bag is a set of I2s from, from sand to two-iron um, and the uh, and the and the woods, all with the stickers on the faces, all effectively untouched, and having sat in this gentleman's garage for thirty odd years. And I was kind of blown away. In fact, I might have one right here. Here's one I prepared earlier. Love it. Here it is. Here it is. Well, here's the uh, here's the three wood. It's in absolutely mint condition. I mean, the original grip. Yeah, shaft stickers, all in amazing uh, amazing knack and. Um, you know, he uh, he he asked me he asked me if I'd be willing to to part with twenty euros for them, and I said, "Do you know what? I'm feeling really generous today. How about twenty <laughs> five? <laughs> and I don't know. That's that's one of many stories where, um, again, the the thrill of the hunt um, is uh, is is yeah. I mean, it's created a hobby for us, but it's again about about meeting the people along the way that's been really special. Um, my story was, you know, the irony of all this before sort of old salty sort of started gaining momentum. I had a couple of old, um, ping sort of moonlight bags that, you know, probably from, you know, not L8 era, but didn't have the stand. Again, one of those club, one of those range sort of bags that you, you throw a few sticks in and, you know, you go and it sort of sits in the, 
shed and you hardly use it. And anyway, I got rid of it as COVID started last year and Charlie's like, you're mad, you'll use it again. So I'm pretty annoyed that I got rid of those two. But I guess, you know, some of the things that have meant the most for me is um, when we started this and Charlie was sharing all his finds, I set out to replicate my first proper set as, as a junior. And in 94, um, I got taken to the States with my family and we just did the, you know, California Disneyland thing. I was sort of starting to show a bit of interest in golf. I was playing reasonably good golf for a 13, 14-year-old. So while we are over there, the Aussie dollar was good. Mum and Dad got me a new set of sticks. So I got a set of the Titleist DCI, you know, the original DCI's Black Triangle. I got a Warbird um, driver, 10 degrees. I got a Warbird 3-wood. Um, and then I got one of those um, Odyssey Dual Force Rosie 2s that had the 10-pin bowling insert. So, um, you know, for some reason I kept the putter, which was awesome, but I set out to go, right, if anything happens with this old Salty, I just want to get that set back. And, you know, sure enough, a a gentleman in Brisbane had a set of DCIs, one iron through to Sandwedge, got that, got the the Warbird uh, driver of of a a gentleman in, in Melbourne. And, you know, I was pretty particular. I didn't want the RCH 96 shaft, the black ones, I wanted the grey shaft that I had um, as, as per my original. So, you know, I obtained that. Then I started looking for a three-wood, and then I realised that I lent my mate my original three-wood, and I sort of just rocked up to his place and said, hey, have you still got that three-wood from, like, 98? And he's like, oh, I don't know, checking my golf bag. And it was there, and, you know, so so I got I got that, and that's, like, beautiful. Now, what do I need here? And, I, again, I had that um, – I got one of the tightest, um tour bags back then um, – and it's 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 the tour bag that sort of you know was probably the start where they're a little bit more boxy and a little bit more streamlined to, to your classic ones with the zip on the front. And so I right, I need to get myself a tightless um a bag for these for these sticks. And then you know like like this divine intervention, I checked in Gumtree and just did quick you know tightless golf bags. And there was this pure tightless DCI staff bag that uh, a guy 15 minutes away was selling for eighty dollars. So. What happened was I secured that and, you know, met some great people. But more recently, um, you know, there's, there's a gentleman down Newcastle Way, not too far from Cessnock, um, who sold this, had this beautiful Hogan uh, practice ball bag on Gumtree. And I've just quickly shot him a message saying, I'm really interested, we'd be happy to post, happy to give you a bit more money for your trouble, etc." And he's written back, he goes, out of all my things, why are you interested in that um, Hogan golf bag? And I said, oh, I've got a thing for old golf gear, et cetera, et cetera. He's then rang me, told me that he's getting rid of his mate's sort of shed because he needs extra care and everything like that. And, like, it was sets of Callaway. It was, uh, you know, Hogan blades, all these things. And, again, he was just so stoked that a person actually understood how special these items were um, and, you know, just, you know, he had a story and he was telling me about how, you know, this sandwich won a pennant match and how this putter held this putt and it was just, you know, it's just this, the golf clubs aren't even, you know, I don't, I, like, the golf clubs are good but this connection with this guy was, was what it was all about. Again, as, as we've said, it's about meeting people, it's about hearing them, their stories and then intertwining those stories to the clubs and then trying to sort of, you know, let that filter into what we're trying to do with Old Salty and our social feed and, you know, trying to poke fun at the serious, seriousness of golf. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Old Salty's a dog. He keeps it classic on course. 
but as soon as he gets off course, he can get pretty loose, as you've seen on, on Insta. <laughs> Where does Salty do most of his work? Does he do most of his work in the Amsterdam side of the, the world or does he do most of his work on the Australian side of the world? Uh, Salty's everywhere. You never know where he's going to pop up or what he's going to get up to. I mean, this has been a, a shared passion for, for Dan and I from, from day one. It's never been about kind of who does what or or it's just been quite an organic thing where it pops up. I mean, we would have the most random ideas that just bubble up from the deepest depths of our subconscious. And um, we think, uh, and, and inspiration could come from anywhere. We, uh, we found this, what we think is a hilarious image of, uh, of Cole, Colin Montgomery sitting on some beach holding a coconut um, yesterday. And we thought, what if we did a week of no context Colin? Um, what would that look like? Because there are some phenomenal images out there of Colin. I mean, we, we all love him. In fact, we love all the characters on, on Salty. We like to, to poke fun at some and, and laugh alongside others. And like the whole thing is, uh, is just a really organic process where ideas come from anywhere, uh, no matter how weird or whack they are. I mean, we do have some guiding principle um, around how he behaves. He's pretty irreverent. He's pretty loose. But, you know, we like to think of that of his off-course persona, um, as Dan alluded to. When he's inside the clubhouse gates, he's all about the pure and simplicity of the sport, respectful of tradition, respectful of, you know, the the equipment. He's playing blades and balladas. He's looking pure with a high tap, high crown to a visor, stiff collar, kilties, the works. So, you know, we, to answer your question, Roscoe, um, you know, the balance doesn't sit either here in Amsterdam or, well, back in Ballin or with, with Dan or I, just kind of comes comes from anywhere. Um, um, but yeah, that's been that's been part of the whole joy in, in sharing it with Walsh and doing it together as two mates that just uh, that just love it. And also, too, working across different time zones. You know, a lot of the things often get the, the trigger gets pulled in Amsterdam um, just for when we sort of know that most people are on Insta and we get the most traction. But also, too, you know with Charlie and his other life around uh, other than old salty, you know, Charlie gets brands and different things like that. So, um, you know, he's been really good to help me because I don't totally get brands like Charlie does. So he's really good at harnessing my ideas and turning that into something that people can connect with and, you know, people can engage with and, you know, hopefully um, have a bit of a laugh at because, I don't know, what, what book was it, Charlie? But we read it, it was at the front where it says, you know, some old golf boffin guru, you know, said if, if golf's not tickling your funny bone, you're doing it completely wrong. So, you know, yes, we've got the on-course, off-course persona of um, old salty, but we're also sort of trying to rock this idea of, you know, if, you, if you're not taking the piss out of yourself and having a laugh and if you're taking yourself too seriously with golf and stressing out, you, you, you've got it all wrong. So, you know, that sort of... You know, the whirlwind that we're working with with all these ideas, but then it sort of filters through Charlie and I, and Charlie's usually really good with some of my ideas to help them make sense and not just be one of my, you know, random hallucinations that only I get. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting to reflect on what you just said there because I probably see, you know, if anyone, the whole, the whole gamut, you know, I see on a daily basis, you know, people who love golf, and, you know, I pay my wages by pe from people who love golf and they love spending money on new golf equipment. And I get that, you know, I rock out the new, you know, bats most of the time down at Peninsula Kingswood and, um, and that's fine. Um, but I also see the other side, you know, I've got a lot of good mates that have, you know, probably follow you guys and, 
it really helped me show, uh, I guess, the game the respect that it deserves, uh, you know, in that history. And because it is a game that's built around a very, very long, deep history. And without that history, you know, it's not going to go forward the way that it should. There, there are, you know, sometimes when I think that the game needs to lean more into the history, I guess an effort to pave its way forward to make the game you know, as good as it can be for everyone moving forward. Attachment to the history has got a lot to, we can learn a lot from it. You know, I guess is a roundabout way of what I'm trying to say. You guys are helping, you know, keep that alive, you know, and, and, and I see a lot of guys. We went to a rollback tournament. I don't know if you heard about Matt Mollica's, um Rollback Alliance. You know, Matt put on at Kingston Heath a, a rollback day and you had to use clubs that were pre, I think, 1995, 93, maybe, maybe pre-93, uh, 12 holes, and you had to use a, an old ball. So... You know, we paid our entry fee and you got a sleeve of old, I think I got some MaxFlight HT Bellatas. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they still weren't round, but that's what we used. And, you know, you'd never seen so many smiling faces at the end of the day. So many good-looking golf clubs as well. It was like, I guess it was like a version of like a car swap meet, you know, like a, you know old car meet and all the cars pull up, you know. Mike Ferroni had his old, looked like they were new out of the box, uh, tour editions. Uh, there were some beautiful DCIs, you know, there was a couple of hickory sets. And it was just one of the greatest days, afternoons of golf that we've ever experienced. And we still talk about it. My mate Rocket, who, you know, sits alongside the podcast on, on uh, every second sort of week, uh, he won the event. He still, you know, is the reigning champion because, because of COVID. We haven't had another one. I don't know. I'm just waxing I'm on. Sure, I'm sure he reminds you of that every now and again, Roscoe. Oh, he does. That, uh, Rocket's the reigning champion. He does. <laughs> it's good to hear. He does. Yeah, I, I yeah, picking up on some of the themes there, Roscoe. I think yeah, you're absolutely right. And firstly, shout out to, to Matt um, and all the guys at the Rollback Alliance and Willa Caddy Mag. You know, doing a phenomenal job. We think to to help um, you know rich new audiences and um, and and Salty is um, is a community where we've got this um, awesome cross section of everyone from millennials guys kind of discovering all this kit for the first time through to you know original freakers and tweakers that go back to the 60s that love kind of you know dining out on the power of that nostalgia but I think you know to your earlier point our first true love is golf it's not a case of um, loving retro golf to the detriment of, uh, of, of, of modern golf. Um, the last thing we wanted to be was kind of cranky old middle-aged dudes waxing on about how it was better in my day. <laughs> it's never about that. Uh, you know, we, um, we have modern bags with all the modern equipment and um, we love, um, we love growing with the technology of the sport. Um, and equally, we love those moments that you described where you might play 12 holes or, you know, Walshie and I love this idea of um, retro half sets and sunsets where it's a couple of mates, a few tins, a half bag of retro clubs. And the reason we think it brings such a smile to our face is that, yes, it's the power of nostalgia and all that stuff, but actually we feel like all pressure is alleviated when we're enjoying those enjoying those rounds and it kind of made us think you know what is it about the modern game that brings this pressure to perform um and and this is maybe getting a bit philosophical here but kind of go with me for a second i think you know COVID has forced a lot of people to slow down a bit and reassess what's what's important and again back to the top of the pod we spoke about how that then sparked a kind of real love affair with discovering the pure simplicity or perhaps, you know, um, golf from a simpler time. 
because we're all under so much pressure to perform in every aspect of our lives now and including golf right like the technology is so phenomenal that if you go and drop five six hundred bucks on a new sim 2 driver and you're standing on the first tee and you're sweat wicking polo again it's about performance um, you might even be wearing you know tricky dicky fowlers two under underwear i mean even underwear is about uh performance in in the sport now too you're feeling pressure on that first tee to vomit, you know, 280 down the middle with your, um, you know, forgiving faces and your, your, the tech that's in the club brings this sense of, we think, pressure to perform, which, you know, there's no doubting that tech, we think, has brought a huge amount to the game in terms of distance, in terms of for, uh, forgiveness and everything else. But there's no doubt that golf today is all about performance. Um Golfers are athletes. Uh, they're hitting it further. They're hitting it better than they ever have. And for us, the odd occasion to kind of forget about performance and just go back to the purity and the simplicity of striking a bladder ball straight out of the screws of a persimmon driver or catching a blade right out of the middle that for me might happen one in every 10 swings. But when it does happen, my God, the... the, the the joy that comes from that is uh, is awesome. And the idea that you can use clubs that are 20, 30, 40 years old and um, and still get the enjoyment out of them brings a real smile to our face. So, yeah, I guess for us, it's again, it's, it's not about being bitter and twisted about where golf has kind of evolved to. It's more a case of just kind of slowing down every now and again, going back into the kind of history books, if you like, and using that nostalgic kind of fun to to rekindle a, a bit of uh, a bit of love for the sport again and i guess just to add on that too charlie it's um and i know I've, I've spoken about this again it's it's just connecting with more people so if i if i rock up to a course with like a sun mountain h2 no bag and you know my clubs and a driver with a sim head cover and just your, your, your stock standard head covers that you get when you buy these clubs it's it's just another bare bum in the shower. Whereas if I rock up and I've got like my Lynx Boom Boom three wood and I've got like a uh, you know some persimmon and a I've got this beautiful Jack Newton blade and sometimes you know I'll, I'll put some Wilson's blades in as the shorter irons and I'll put some Ping Zings as the, as the the higher irons and then um, you know I'll whack them in. I've, I've had a uh, a Mackenzie bag made based on the spray of the MR twenty. That gets people going, what do you got there? And then that sort of breaks down barriers and creates a conversation about really understanding where they've come from golf and why they love it. Whereas if I had, you know, uh, you know, no disrespect to Sun Mountain or any of those brands that I just spoke to, like no one looks twice at me. Um, also, too, when I sort of go out and have a little sort of half set and sunset round around Royal Ballina, uh, not so much Teven. Um, I, I have the rule that I'll never walk backwards to a tee. So on some of those holes, I'll go and tee off the ladies. And, you know, as you can imagine, I'm balancing There's some sort of gruff old members, you know, what are you, what are you doing, you know, hitting off the shielders for, blah, blah, blah. And, a, again, no disrespect to females or anything like that. I'm, I'm just sort of stating what's been said to me. And then they see the sticks I'm using. They see that I'm using a ballada. They see that, you know, I, I haven't carried a scorecard in I don't know how long. And then I explain that I'm just out here, half, half sets and sunsets, 
and I've got to rule with myself that I never walk backwards for a tee. It's just continuous golf. And if it means a ladies' tee, I get a new perspective of that hole. And then they start thinking about it, and then that opens the door to other conversations. They're like, well, why are you playing these? And then they realize that you actually know what you're talking about, and, you know, it's crazy where those conversations go to. And, you know, if, if I rocked up and played off the plates and sort of put my putting mirror down and everything like that, everyone's probably like, who's this wanker? The tour pro didn't have time to go pro. Like, it's, you know, look, old clubs are really good to sort of as an excuse. If you do, hit a bit of a wonky one. Oh, they're old. So what's the what's the future of, of Old Salty? Where where do you go from, from here? Where, where, where are you at now? You've got the, the wonderful Instagram um, and growing following. You've got the website selling a little bit of old gear on the website is is that the direction or is it more community and just communication what what do you what's your vision for this young charlie uh, are are sarah and trudy going to be listening to this (laughs) (laughs) is this is this where where we talk about the retirement plan of living off of of a character caricature no no No, this is more about filling the attic with more stuff (laughs) throw it a quick one it's been um all, all purpose was everything that we sort of got and secured from sort of that hunt of eBay, the Dutch marketplace, all sorts of things like that were going to be sold. And, you know, the more time goes on, the more Charlie and I are like, don't really want to get rid of anything. I sort of, I like this. But um, future of old salty golf, um, it, it depends on, on on what lens we view the future. So, Charlie, you, you can start and then I'll, I'll pick up on some of the gaps. Yeah, it's a good question, Roscoe, and it's, it's something that we never really give it much thought. I mean, we've just kind of been meandering in day in, day out, month in, month out. We're at a point now where um, we're really proud to have grown our community to, to a little bit of scale and, um, and you know, that then enables greater conversations and, you know, reaching more people, which is which is all good. But, frankly, we, it's never been about getting scale nor about uh, the commercial opportunity to, to move you know, uh, old stock and sell old stock. Yes, we have a website, and yes, we uh, we want to kind of share our joy for uh, for old stuff and you know through through sales. But actually, um, it's again never been about a money making exercise. I, I I think a pretty bold vision would be for us to ultimately um, work with everyone else within our community and create a bit of a kind of buy swap sell platform. Mm-hmm where it's about bringing everyone together, those who love, you know, the, 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 the retro way and creating a platform by which people can explore, buy, swap, sell. Um, ideally, that would always be in a, in a physical space and not just a digital one because, again, it's about creating connections with people and, and having that laugh. But, you know, in, a, in the COVID world, who knows when or how that's going to kind of um, really take shape. But... Put simply, we're going to make it up as we go along, see where it goes. It's nothing other than a hobby for us that creates a lot of kind of laughs and smiles between two mates with a whack imagination and, you know, bringing a few people with us um, along the journey is uh, all we can really hope for. Just continuing to build that community and continuing to connect and meet people and hear their stories and sort of just, you know, get energised by their love of that retro golf. But Again, with what Charlie said, you know, with, with that whole idea of, you know, maybe it being a meeting place and it's, you know, old salty certified. So you're not trawling through all the rubbish that sometimes you have to do on some of the more commercial sites is obviously something pretty bold and ambitious for us. But, you know, in in the interim, we've got some pretty sort of, you know, fun, quirky ideas that I think really fits the persona of old salty. 
Um, and yeah, as Charlie said, you know, at the end of the day, old old salty's a dog. So look, he'll do what he wants when he wants, and um, you know, just just watch this space. But as long as people sort of keep you know engaging and, and loving with what what we're sort of doing and how we're poking fun at the seriousness of modern golf, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be happy. And yeah, it, it's not about you know commercial success or anything like that. It's just me and Charlie, like, laughing in the background. And, you know, an example of that were these brand Olympics. Like, some of the proper retro core lords were so heated yeah. with some of the results. Like, you know, borderline <laughs> offensive. Like, you know, what's going on with these? Some of these followers you've got, you know, voting Nike over whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it was it was almost like we were being trolled. You could feel, like, their, their passion and the modality of, like, how legitimately devastated they were because, you know, our, our you know, our, our salty fans sort of saw it a different way. And, you know, that type of stuff, just getting that raw emotion is, is pretty cool, right, Charlie? I love it. Love it. What's next? Yeah, the Salty Olympics were great. Um, Penguin? Or Ping, Ping took it out. Yeah, we've got a... giveaway. Yeah, we got a nice... Yeah, we got a nice... Beryllium Copper Power 2 sitting here. I think we've only had, a, oh, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 comments. So anyone that has um, tagged their mates and uh, is in that comment thread on that post, you know, you're, you're one in 20 or 30 chance of taking away a pretty sweet putter. So, uh, yeah, it's um, – it's yeah, so that's happening. Uh, Roscoe, truth is, we don't know. Um, we'll get a bubble of emotion of uh, inspiration from somewhere and we'll just we'll just roll with it. There's no kind of – rhyme nor reason whatever happens just kind of just kind of happens but um yeah i i think um i do just want to take a moment and, and shout out to uh to two um two guys who i think are friends of the, the pod roscoe and that is um and that is our friends at sandbill studios mm -hmm. nick mills and uh and harry dubs those two gentlemen have um done we think a phenomenal job to bring the whack uh, personality and character of, of salty to life through through the graphics. Yeah, the work that they they do is phenomenal. And again, this has been about building that community of people that we just love to work with and um, and 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 play with on the site. So um, we're in constant contact with uh, with those guys to think about yeah how the uh, how the brand and its imagery might evolve and how we continue to continue to keep old salty just that kind of froth lord that he is. I, I can only back you up there wholeheartedly with, um, you know, the work that especially young uh, Nicholas does. You know, he's a very good friend of the Mile of Golf podcast. Uh, his dad, um, Millsy Senior, Ian, uh, down there in Mornington, not far from here where we are, also another legend. You know, to the point where I'll tell you a nice story about uh, Millsy's dad. I My um, childhood set, which I would love to recreate, uh, got stolen when I moved to Melbourne uh, I wasn't really playing golf, but I had a set of golf clubs. One of the guys from the motorcycle you know, sort of world said, let's go and play golf, put the clubs in the back of his van because all motorcycles, mo motorcyclists had vans, um, and they got nicked. And in there were my Cobra, Persimmon Block, Driver, and Three Wood. Now, that, those two clubs went back probably to when I was 15, 16. I remember Billy Dunk. My dad was mates with Billy Dunk. Um, came out to Cessnock and gave me a lesson one day, playing lesson. Um, what a great experience walking around with Billy Dunk, probably held the record for the most uh, club records in Australia. He picked up those Cobra blocks and says, never get rid of these. These are, these are the best woods that they've ever made at the time. And uh, they got nicked. And Millsy's dad had one of those Cobra blocks that he got from somewhere. I can't remember where he had it. He sent me a message, said, just come around, came around. He said, here you go. 
that's yours. And he gave it to me. And I've got it there just in the cupboard next to me. And he said, mate, I couldn't I couldn't have you not have that after hearing the story that you had it and it got nicked and all that sort of thing. So it's probably one of the nicest things that anyone's ever done to me in a golfing done for Amazing. Me in a golfing sense. And Amazing. And, um, you know, Mills has been a great supporter of the podcast. Um, he didn't do this logo. This was uh, my, one of my Scottish friends um, inspired this one. But for one of the other podcasts that we do, uh, the Golf Rules Questions, he did a little Highland Cow, which is sort of my little favourite beast, a Scottish Highland Cow and the Kangaroo. So he did those. Um, we were supposed to last weekend and the weekend before do a live podcast down at his uh, you know, pop-up store with some of his other cohort Um That'll happen again. We're looking forward to that. So yeah, no, he's a, he's a very and a very talented young man. Um, he's listening to this. We we were trying to get involved with that, and they reached out to us. But with um, just where we're at, with sort of building brand and getting merch and everything like that, that's that's still in the pipeline. Yep. But um, it's funny you, you mentioned Sandbelt because I totally agree with everything you've said. But um, just today, when I was sort of having a quick look at you know where this conversation might go, I had a look back at you know, where we first started with them and in their first sort of, you know, iterations they did what old salty could be. And to where it is now, um, you know, I guess the power of hindsight, but um I think you and I must agree that um those guys had patience of a saint dealing with us and us pushing to get the character that is old salty. Um and, and now we look at it and go yeah, they, they've absolutely nailed it. But, um, you know, there was some time there where in the doldrums, like going, yeah, and it just wasn't quite right. And um, kudos to those guys because they, they saw it as a challenge and they delivered. And um, if Harry and Nick, if you listen, thanks, boys. Um, oh, yeah, a couple of long necks or restaurants if you're up around Ballina. At one day when this uh, story is bigger than it is now, um, you know, those emails and the communication, the messages will, will come to the fore. We'll get them printed because... One of the things that I sit back and think about is when I see all the different character, you know, the positions that Salty is able to um, maintain. Very flexible dog. Um, he's able to get into. I thought, and I start thinking a bit deeper. Going, did someone's drawn that? You know, it's not an animation. You know, it's not just like com- you know, hit the computer keys. It's all drawn. And and you know, like I would like to see the emails. Oh, can we have Salty? You know, in a mock. I'd like to see the uh, the different requests for the different animations. Is is what I'm saying. I, I can imagine that would well, be quite. There's a couple <laughs> sitting with them right now. I mean, Salty is always on the edge and, you know, he's got this irreverent mischievousness and there was one, I do remember one conversation that we had with with Nick and Harry and we're like, we've got to channel our unbridled man love for for Sharky and and our love for Sharky goes way back and we're probably on the edge a bit. Salty for Sharky forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we're like, we've we've got to get him in an Akubra and just as as the boys were in the design studio, that picture of Sharky running along the dog with a beach with uh, with his short shorts on and you know not much to no, no nowhere for Sharky to hide gave the boys inspiration for for them to then pixelate his uh, his box and dice down down south. So um, <laughs> there is a yeah there is a, an image of Sharky running nude sorry salty running nude in Sharky's Akubra. With, uh, with not much to hide but other than a few pixels. But, um, I mean, it's just an example of, of how they've really embraced the characterization of this whack imagination of, of Dan's and mine and, um, and run with it, and we think done a, done a great job of it. And we've also got this beautiful sort of OS logo that, you know, it, it is there and it is, it is, you know, sort of secondary to some of the design because Salty has such a persona. But, you know, Charlie and I often talk about how pure just the OS is and... Um, 
you know, that there's there's more things we can do. But um, yeah, it's um, there's no secret. Old well, Salty is, is is a massive fan of Sharky. Yeah, I mean that that hence while she at um, you know, we've had conversations, Roscoe, of would we seriously wear a hat of a nude dog? Um, on uh, on the you know the the crown of a high crown tour visor, getting down to you know Melbourne Sandbelt or wherever we you know feel privileged and lucky enough to play, and the simple answer is no, we 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 probably wouldn't. So, you know, we we go down this um, go back to that original thought of when Salty's on course, he keeps it really pure and simple, and when he's off course, anything might happen. So, yeah, we're just exploring and playing with merch lines now and how we might use some of those different assets that Sam Bill have built to keep it pure and simple on course and then wild and crazy off of it. And, and one thing about while we're de- developing those um, merch lines, as, as frustrating as it is and as much as it gets the hamster wheels in our minds ticking, um, you know, it, it's also affirming that we're, we've had some ideas and, and we'll see sort of... Um, you know, metal would bring out something very, very similar or some guys who we think are also doing great things in this space will drop a line of merch about, you know, something very similar to what Charlie and I have just spoken about. And we're like, oh, man, but we also sort of like, well, at least we're sort of, you know, on the dartboard with with how people are thinking and what people are liking. So, um, you know, that's happened more than once where uh, Charlie laughs at me more about that because it does my head in, but... um, yeah, we're getting close. Watch this space. Hopefully there'll be a couple of cool things up there that people might dig in, well, in the coming month or so. I think the the longer we're starved of it, the greater the demand grows. And, you know, what's happening in, in that space on in, you know, the online world of golf and golf culture is growing, I agree, but it's it's not going away. And likewise, you know, the tech polos and all the stuff that I represent and deal with and see, touch and feel every day, you know, that's growing as well. So... You know, there's a space for everyone to eat from the menu that they like to eat from. And, you know, exactly. when you guys, you know, deliver that, I think there's going to be a, a whole load of people that will want to see. Someone might want to wear the, you know, so, you know, loose salty, you know, down to the club. Who knows? But, um, you know, I think that's going to be really successful. It's going to be great. Well done. Good on you, Roscoe. Guys. Thank you. I'm... I think uh, we've, in a roundabout way, we've told your story. We've told the story of Salty, how he lives on the edge, how his philosophy is going to potentially and hopefully, um, you know, grow in time. If, if there's anything else that we want to talk about in terms of, or, want, or Salty wants to talk about, now's the time. But I think we've, I think we've covered a, a fair, fair degree of the story there for the Salty lovers, the uh, lovers, lovers of the salt. It's been awesome considering we launched our Instagram account on the 1st of December last year and, you know, we were just speaking the other day, like, it's in people's lexicon now. So they're starting to describe retro golf gear as not, like, pure or sort of some of those older golf words that we used to associate with really nice stuff. People are sort of using the word salty in terms of, oh, how salty is this driver? How salty are those shoes? Um, We've got people messages just saying, check out this salt that we've just found. So, you know, that's... That's, you know, enough for us with yeah. how stoked we are. And, and whatever happens next is just, just a bonus. Would you agree, Charles? Oh, totally. I think it's and, – and it's just fun. It's, you know, again, coming back to this idea of just being playful with it and, and poking a bit of seriousness at, um, at, at, you know, modern golf. But, Roscoe, to your earlier point, this has never been about being bitter and twisted about where golf has become because we are golfers. We love it in its modern form. We love it in its retro form. Uh, people have asked us, you know, in, in in the past, what would your ideal salty setup be? And the simple answer is 
have no idea because, you know, Cole from Metalwood talks about it, I think, the best where, you know, people are starting to express their creativity by picking a fruit salad of, you know, whack nostalgia, having a, a mixed bag from DCIs through to 8802 putters and maybe a, you know, tightless 975 driver and a, you know, persimmon three wood. So, there's no, there's no right or wrong in any of this. We're doing it for the fun. Um, I've had fun today. Thanks so much for having us on the pod. Been really fun just to kind of, um, yeah. you know, shoot the breeze and uh, and talk about it. So yeah, yeah. love to uh, catch up again anytime soon. Yeah, same goes, Ross. Thanks for uh, having us. It's been great, and um, yeah, it's been a joy. And you know, keep an eye out, and we'll keep following you guys. And you know, onwards and upwards for everyone. Well, appreciate it. We're all trying to do the same thing. Have a bit of fun, you know, bring a bit of information, a bit of insight from, you know, golf lovers to other golf lovers. So we've got the same the same uh, motivations and I'm sure just through that, if nothing else, you know, we'll stay in touch and, you know, we'll be able to share a little bit more of the journey as uh, we both keep on the, uh, on the pathway. It's great. I appreciate your time. Charlie in Amsterdam, thank you for giving up your time to join us. Dan up there in Ballina, maybe one day I'll come up and have a game in Ballina, hopefully uh, not too far away. But we've got to get out of this uh, situations that we're in, but um, can't wait to get up there and, and see that. We'll keep uh, throwing it into the salt shaker. I would love to be able to rattle off all salties, uh, saltisms uh, like that, but I can't. I won't even even attempt it. But uh, all I do Salty know is... in the Dead Sea. Salt... <laughs> all, all I know is when I send you a message... Charlie, Dan, whoever responds to it, every time a different saltism comes back and I just sit there at whatever time, it's usually, sometimes I usually, if it's two in the morning, I know it's Charlie um, responded, I, I chuckle, I laugh, it brings a smile to my face, it brightens my day and that's a good thing for me. That's it. That's, that's the spirit, that's Roscoe. About. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Good luck to everyone back home in lockdown. Thanks again, Roscoe. Very good. Thanks for listening. Uh, Share, like, subscribe, do all of the stuff that you do, um, but share this one because uh, everyone needs to a bit more salty in their life. So uh, share this and one. Tag us too, guys. Share the salt. You know, we love what, you know, salt digests, all those things. You can never get enough of that stuff. I've, I've got a bag in there, clubs. I'm going to take a salt digest photo. I'm going to send it. You don't have, I, I, I just want my own salt digest photo for me. There you go. I'm going to do that. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Invitation we'll do it. to anyone listening on the pod. If you've got a salty setup, um, send them in and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get some salt digest going on salt and uh, spread the love. Um, Charlie, before we sign off, it might be worth about Crossy on the weekend who actually went into his office to sort of go into his cupboards and make this salt digest. So this guy is just, he is, he is phenomenal with his knowledge of golf and his equipment. And we asked him for a salt digest and Charlie, you, you dealt with him, but, um, you tell the story better than I do. It's incredible. Oh, shout out, shout out, Matty Cross up in Brisbane. I mean, you've just got to hop on his feed and see the amount of salt that's in his shaker. It's unbelievable. And um, I, I have a fear, Roscoe, this, uh, this, this podcast could rabbit on forever. We're just wrapping up and now I'm down to another rabbit hole. That's okay. It's but, your podcast. Um, this, is can... this is about, this is as salty as the yarns come. Like this, I, I still giggle about Crossy and what he got up to uh, so, on the weekend. So, Crossy's feed is just full of the most unbelievable stuff, not least of which is this pure um, Mizzy staff bag, which we affectionately like to call the Frankie Baby Blues, uh, with a nod to Frank Nobolo and his uh, in his Mizuno days. Anyway, um, uh, Crossy's got this pure um, Frankie Mizzy Blues staff bag, 
However, it is none other than the great Wayne Grady's former staff bag, complete with a Royal Pines Resort logo on the side. And it's in such pure condition that he's chucked it on his uh, probably a Pilgrim uh, Pilgrim golf buggy, complete with towel running down the length of the trolley so as not to put a scratch or any remote mark on, on his bag. And what's inside of that bag blew our mind. We said, Crossy, mate, we've got to do a salt dye job just on this we need a few really basic things we need really good lighting uh, we need it to be shot in kind of square square orientation on your phone and just send us in the specs of each of the clubs it's like boys love to do it um, just give me a couple of days and i'll come back to you he uh he disappears for a couple of days and he's um he turns out like he's shot this bag in a in an office, right? It's a classic office with strip lighting and his bag is sitting atop the, the desk and you can tell that he's wobbling and which <laughs> later on, of course, he said, yep, all 142 kilos of his T-bone steak was wobbling on this desk chair trying to get his photo. But in the background, you can see McGregor, this pure green and white McGregor bag. He's ducked into the archive room and taken more pictures of what he's, he's got such a collection that his missus has said, no more in the house. You've got to get them into the office. He's obviously storing them all at the office and he's taken these pictures and he's just peppered out, um, peppered out our inbox with all these phenomenal salty images. So watch out. Crossy's what salt digest is, is coming. But shout out to a retro hero. He's, he's, an, um, he's an understated retro lord. And, uh, but, yeah, just an, another story of, you know, the people we meet and the stories you come across is just uh, puts a smile on our face. But a complete and utter honoured old salty, like office trip on Sunday for a photo for us. Like, you can't get much saltier than that. No, so, that's a, that's you a know, fair, just, fair commitment to salt. Yeah, let, let's end it on that one. <laughs> <laughs>